Hey, we back in this thing. Yo, 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 it's the 1409 Podcast. I go by the name of KT. It's your boy, Gualamis World. Man, welcome to episode 192. Got a special guest in here, you know what I'm saying? Out of Horry County, South Carolina. Straight out of Horry County. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Got Mr. Keezer Generate in here. How you doing, man? I am doing well. How are you? All good, all good, man. Glad to have you on here. Thank you. I appreciate the invite. For sure, for sure. Uh, so you're from like you're from Loris, right? I don't want to say the wrong. Yeah, thing. I am from the small town of Loris. Loris, <laughs> North South Carolina. I heard it's real out there. It listen, the Loris is a great town. It is the surrounding areas that are um kind of hype. Say they kind of hype. Yeah, man. I'm trying to tell you. A bunch of hard heads. What? Listen, I think they need to join the military. Yeah, we need some people, you know what they're saying. Yeah, right? Listen, I'm glad to be retired right now. Right on. <laughs> How's that retirement life been treating you? Right. Lovely. I love it. I, I really do. Um, I retired in 2017, so I just I relaxed for like a year, then I got bored and I went back into the workforce for a little while and now I'm just doing my own thing. For sure. You you ain't went through your phase where you miss it. You know what they say? No, uh-uh. I haven't missed it at all. Mm-mm, no way. I've missed some people, but not not the military itself. Not that. My last couple of years were hell. Like I was I was ready to quit like at like year 15 and then um everybody was like you're over the hump now you might as well give it those last five but i'm telling you the last five years especially the last three were the absolute hardest oh man you had some good days and you had some bad days but hopefully right. the good outweighed the bad you know what i'm saying yeah <laughs> <laughs> i thought kt was about to bust out singing I had some good days. <laughs> oh, we having some technical difficulty. Oh yeah, can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I thought he was gonna bust out singing. He All right. right. <laughs> So, uh, do you, did you feel like it was uh, hard for you to adjust after, you know, doing so many years in the military and then coming back to the civilian life? I think it was uh, for a few reasons. One, um, I wasn't used to having to put outfits together a lot because in the military, it's always the uniform. I wasn't used to being able to have color in my hair and you know, a little different things. So listen, when I first got out, I just looked at a, I looked a fool because I think I bought every color wig you can have, purple, <laughs> red, orange, blonde. I mean, like I real life had purple, a purple wig. I, and I thought I was cute at the time too. So like that, <laughs> the first year and a half, maybe I just, I wild out with the hair colors. And, um, but yeah, it was, at first it was, but it got easier. For sure. So we know you, you are author, you a speaker, you a poet, yeah. 
philanthropist. You do a lot. Yeah, man. Working for the people is my is my favorite though. That's that's my that is my passion. I love writing. I love poetry. I love mentoring, but um, supporting causes that makes life easier for us or our children or just helping us find justice in different situations. That's what I love to do the most. For sure. So uh, did you feel like uh, that was always in your heart and maybe the military was in the way when you started? Or do you feel like, you know, it was something that you always planned to do? You just had to find that space to do it. I think when I look back on it, I could tell it was always something that I was passionate about. And the military caused me to get in trouble a lot just from um, speaking out with the racism I mean, you've been in units with me where the the black soldiers can be in for years and not get promoted. And we'll have a white soldier come in and within a year he's been promoted or she has been promoted twice. So uh, just being vocal about those things in the military got me in trouble quite a lot or labeled um, a lot. But I feel like having to go through it there first made it easier for when when people try to come at me um about the causes that i work for now all of that just prepared me for now so do you feel like the military uh being in the military like being all right being people of color in the military you know we like want to serve our country and do do this do something that less than one percent do but do you feel like we kind of have a have to have a muzzle on when it comes to like black lives matter movement i mean Although we are in the military, we still are black, you know what I'm saying? And they, they'll tell us, like, oh, you, you represent the military, but at the end of the day, we go out here, people still going to see us as being black, not as a soldier. Yeah. So when I was in the military, I definitely felt like um, I had to be careful about what I spoke about openly or, or how vocal I was about certain thing, things, whether I showed up to protest um, so a lot of the times I had to be in the background, which is cool because I don't really like the spotlight vectors. So we were at AT. We were at AT when I found out about um, the Michael Brown situation. That messed me up. I was at um, on a training in Canada with the military when I found out about Hurricane Katrina. And we came out of the field. We went to a restaurant real quick and we saw it on the news and the news was um, the television was on mute. So we thought it was a third world country that we were looking at with the people surrounded by the water and all of the stuff that was going on. And then we see across the bottom of the screen that it's New Orleans. And like we just felt kind of crazy, like we're over here supposedly fighting for this country who doesn't always or very rarely fight for what's best for us. So sometimes for me, most of the times for me being in the military had me at war with myself because I wanted to, when I was young, initially I joined the military because one of my friends um, lost her father during Desert Storm. So I was like, I want to do something. I'm, I'm going to join the military and do my part. But once I got older and started being... Um, exposed to different things because Lawrence is a small town. It's like six square miles. 
we uh, we weren't being taught a lot about the political issues that were going on. As a matter of fact, racism to us was kind of like normal. It's, it's like it was just what it was. So being in the military at first was such a, a culture shock for me because I was like, they, they, they can almost make us just be okay with this because in the military, they could take your money. They could send you to jail, like all of these other things. So I, I found myself at war with myself a lot being in the military and being black. Show that's that's deep right there. Big facts, big facts. You know what I'm saying? We always like salute the people that you know what I'm saying, speak their mind, speak their mind, you know what I'm saying? Don't care what nobody think, don't care what nobody say, speak your mind. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because people gotta know how you really feel, you know. You can't be out here sugarcoating it, right? You know what I'm saying? Can't have no fluff on it. Absolutely, because the only person that you're gonna see when you look in the mirror is you. And you need to be okay with that person. Yeah, definitely. That's 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 uh that's very important out here for sure. So you saying so there's not a lot of you wouldn't say there's a lot of protests going on in your area right now, or you know not like right now specifically. Uh there is something that I'm working on right now. One of my closest friends who was the most powerful, fearless intelligent for the people person that I've ever met was recently killed um, on his way to work. He was riding his bike to work and somebody hit him from behind. And the person who hit him was a white guy. They didn't even write him a ticket at first. And all of these things that happens when you're black and, and somebody white does something to harm you is happening. So right now I'm in the midst of helping the family uh, find evidence to support the criminal and or civil case against the guy and the uh, state trooper who botched the investigation so bad that they had to come back like two or three times um, after the initial investigation to the scene. So basically they tried to sweep it under the rug. Oh, yes. See, that's what they did. They, they weren't aware of who it was on the side of the road so they basically uh, told the family that he was at fault and the family gave them some major pushback and that's when they realized okay this is this was not just in any old body and they had to come back to the scene several times that that morning to investigate because at first they were just going to send the guy home they didn't drug test him they didn't give him a breathalyzer or anything yeah that seemed like that shouldn't been the protocol at all. They should have right. That's what I was saying. I mean, they didn't. They didn't ask for video. I, I think maybe the second or third time that they came back is when they found out that there was actually a video of what happened, and they they watched the surveillance tape, and that's when they wrote. They gave him a ticket though for driving too fast for conditions, even though he killed someone. So it's crazy, but. That that's what I'm working on right now. So they uh I mean with being that they didn't do any kind of like drug tests, would they have proof that he would, could be like under the influence? Well, I mean, I'm sure like you you know they could pull hair and uh test your fingernails to see how long drugs have been in your system 
or at what point in time you were on drugs. So those are options that they can do. And but the the state trooper really should have just did it on the scene. But he told us later that well he seemed like a nice guy, so I didn't feel like I should um I needed to give him any of those tests, even though he killed somebody. Yeah, it seemed like any accident it should you should automatically if you're on a job, you should automatically get drug tests, alcohol. It's right, especially if you hit a a pedestrian or someone who's on a bicycle and there's no it's it's just crazy it, but that's Ori County and before he was killed he was one of the loudest advocates for people who have been mistreated or railroaded by Ori County um the state troopers the solicitors so i didn't really ex- expect them to um, give him a fair shot or a fair a fair deal. First of all, because he was black, and the person who hit him was a young white boy. But secondly, and more importantly, but because of who he was to them, how he was their antagonist because he was holding them accountable. He was intelligent enough to to push the paperwork that will hold them accountable, that will cause them to have to give us um, information. Uh, dash cam videos and all kind of things like that. So they really hated it, that he was intelligent enough to to know what to do to keep them accountable. Facts, like even like forklift jobs, things like that. If you have an accident on a job like that, you getting drug tested on the right. street. Even if nobody got nobody got hurt or nothing, you are gonna get a drug mm-hmm. test. My boy having technical difficulties tonight. But yeah, facts though. Like even like I work for places and I seen uh a guy on basically on the forklift um caused a wreck. Got drug tested right then and there. And that's what I was thinking. Like, why wouldn't you drug test him just for your peace of mind? Just so that uh you can say you did your due diligence. But uh they did they did not, and it is crazy. So what what other things uh in the neighborhood have you found yourself like being a part of? So as far as the educational system. Um, I have been an advocate for several parents who have children with IEPs, which is uh, short for an individual education plan. And that's for students who have disabilities, whether they be physical disabilities or if they have ADHD or some kind of mental uh, disability. Um, There are certain protocols that that are supposed to happen when it comes to disciplining them. But I've I've found through research and statistics that we pull from the state about Horry County is that black students are being punished um, or sent through the judicial system more often than the white students are for the same things. And there are laws that says there are certain steps that's supposed to happen before those types of students are disciplined. And then if the parents don't know most of the time, the administrators are not telling them, and um, the the kids are ending up in DJJ, alternative schools, are being expelled. So I, 
I have been making myself available to parents who aren't educated enough or are just afraid to confront, you know, the school officials or whatever, because they might not know the, the right terminology or, you know, what's supposed to be made available to them because they have a child with disability. So I, I've made myself available to go to hearings or either coach parents on what they should ask for um, and what is supposed to happen. What are the proper procedures when they go into those hearings? Because black parents, we hear hearing and I've seen it with every single parent I work with. Once they say your child has to go to a hearing, we see jails, we see judges, we get afraid or we get angry. And so I have to teach them the things that they need to ask. But I also have to tell them, don't go in there and be angry. Because if you do that, then they're going to say the child acts like this because the parent act like this. So that's what I've been doing. Well, something else that I've been doing in the community. I had my share of hearings growing up. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know how it is. My yeah, mom, man, my mom didn't go in there angry or nothing. She went in there, you know what I'm saying? Professional like. Right. Now, sometimes my son, like my son used to keep me at, at the school. And sometimes it was his fault. But most of the time, it was because the kids already knew that the teachers and the administrators had labeled him. So they could say it was him. And they would just write him up and want to suspend him. But luckily, he was in a school where there were video cameras. And I would always request to see the video. And I'm telling you, maybe eight out of those ten times I requested a video, he was nowhere in the area. And he had already gotten written up. They had already issued the punishment before they even viewed the video. So it was crazy. Yeah, ridiculous. I was going to ask, you was talking about like black kids with ADHD and things like that. How do you feel about uh, like how they uh, diagnose kids having like ADHD and different disabilities like that? So one of the things that I have noticed is that I'll see a little black kid that's diagnosed with ADHD doing the same thing that this little white kid is doing. And they're like, Oh, he's just being a kid, but we aren't afforded those same, um, we aren't given that benefit of the doubt. So I've been in classes where I've substituted and I will see, like I used to volunteer to substitute at the alternative schools because nobody wanted to go to the alternative schools, but I never had a problem at the alternative schools. So I would, we would be in classes where there would be more than one, one teacher. And I would see little white kids throw tables over, throw scissors, threaten to punch teachers and all kind of stuff. And they would try to calm them down, try to give them hugs, want to have conversations I could see a black kid say, who you think you talking to like this? And now they want to call the damn RSO, which is the security officer with the gun on his side. You know, the principal, you know, he needs to be expelled. And I'm like, this little kid over here basically told you he was going to make a bomb and come to school and blow it up. And you're okay with that. 
but this kid is telling you i feel disrespected in a language that you can't relate to and now you're threatened and i i didn't like that at all so i feel like there is a double standard when it comes to diagnosing our kids black and brown kids and kids of that don't have melanin so when you were a substitute did they did you see a difference in when they talked to you and when they talked to other oh yeah absolutely when i would substitute at the alternative school as soon as i would walk in the building there are teachers that would say i know you're not subbing for uh such and such today but can this kid come sit in your class during during my period you know what i'm saying can can he just come sit with you today please just just give me this break so it was it was always the worst of the worst kids that would be in my class or either following me around or asking me questions but it wasn't because i was so special i don't think i just talked to them like i talked to everybody else i would ask them you know what do they want to be when they grow up i would tell them that this is this is this doesn't have to be all that there is to you i remember asking them did anybody ever tell them that they could be great that simple question did anybody tell y'all that y'all could be great nobody the whole class said no not not one kid said anybody had ever told them they could be anything than what got them in trouble and so that's how i spoke to them outside of that we one when um black panther first came out me and a couple of my friends got together with some um other organizations and we paid for maybe about 700 kids three between 350 and 700 kids to go see black panther when it first came out i made sure some of those kids from the alternative school were able to come and participate with us because otherwise they couldn't a lot of them were in alternative schools because their parents couldn't get off of work to come to the meetings you know just stupid stuff so i just made i just try to make sure that i can make them feel as normal as possible or included not not so separated like like they're the worst of the worst and they don't uh deserve compassion and understanding so i, I never had a problem at the alternative school around what year was this or is it like right now say that again i said around what year was this or is it like right now around this time so i first started uh subbing at the alternative schools in like 20 2017 because that i was just doing it because i on the days that i was bored because you know i was newly retired and uh so um it from 2017 to about 2019 because in 2019 i moved to columbia for like a year so um for those two years um i was you know volunteering in the schools but mainly at the alternative schools this is like seven through 12th grade so it was like fifth damn Fifth grade through 12th grade. If through 12th, so like some of the kids that when they older, do they still reach out to you? Because I know like yeah. you got a great person, an adult in your life, you're going to reach back out to them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I have um student students who reach out to me on social media all of the time, or they might see me and I may not even remember 
the encounter that we had to, together. But whatever it was, it was life changing for them. So although I might not personally remember them, whatever it is that I said to them made it, it had a life changing um, impact on them. So I run into kids like that all of the time, or they'll just send me messages on social media. I still have the same email address. So sometimes I'll get emails. And um, so, so that's cool. I love that. I love that. Let me ask you this. What, what sparks your content in your poetry? Is it uh, some of the things you experienced or is it, is it some of the things that you think about? It's both because art imitates life. So I can be going through something and write a poem about it. I could witness the things like George Floyd, the George Floyd situation, um, Michael Brown, and write a poem about it. Or somebody could just tell me something that they're going through and I can empathize with them and write a poem about it as well. Mm, for sure. I had the pleasure of seeing you speak one time at More Than Words out in Florence. You know, oh, yeah. That's like I think that was like last time I saw you. That was about a year, a little over a year ago. I, what, like right before the pandemic? Or was it right after wait, it? Wait, was it two years? Yeah, that was yeah. 20. Was it 20? That's 2019. Wait, oh, that was 2019. Yeah, it was 2019, I believe. Oh, it couldn't have been. It couldn't have been. It couldn't have been. I believe so. No, no, no. Okay, so you know what? It could have been the end of um 2020. It's like September 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think we had already started this thing by then. So yeah. Yeah. So I know you do it in many states. What was your most memorable spoken word event? Or the most, I went to the New Yorican in New York City, and that's where a lot of the older poets would get their start. Um, a lot of movies that are surrounded about spoken word and poetry, they have scenes filmed in that place. So I believe it was 2018, I got to uh, do a poem there. And, and that was great for me because I've, I've always wanted to go there and perform there. So right now, that is the most memorable um, time I got to speak in front of a crowd. Out there in New York, New York. Okay. City number one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's yeah. love. Yeah. You also do a little stage plays as well uh-huh. yeah man let me t- and you know what's so crazy is i i don't do a lot of talking to if i don't know you so mm-hmm. i'm pretty quiet so when people who think i'm very quiet and stuck up come to the stage plays or they catch me one-on-one it's like oh my god you're so down to earth i just thought you were mean and stuck up and i'm like no i have my mama's face and it's It just looks like we're frowning, but we're good. And um, so stage plays are awesome because it gives me an opportunity to step outside of myself. And uh, I have PTSD. So though that's one of the things that I do to help work through work through PTSD is is the stage plays, because a lot of stage plays, you know, the crowd is like right there in front of you. And uh, and so so poetry. I mean, when I do I don't know if y'all know this, but. Most of the time when I do uh, poetry or whatever, 
after I get finished, I kind of dip. I kind of sneak out and um, that's it. You will not find me unless I have to come back on a second time. But uh, most of the time I just, I just kind of leave because I don't really like crowds. So the state doing the stage plays and the spoken word really helped me work through those, those things. Joe, I noticed that last time you, uh, He's on stage. I was like, hey, she gone. I was uh yeah. speak to like, she done gone. She did. Yeah. Hey. If I'm selling books, like if I have a table or something, I always bring somebody with me. So, like, listen, you already know I'm probably gonna leave or go sit in the car or something. So you you this your thing. This is your job to mend this table. But I'm getting better. I, I, I am getting better because actually now I hope I produce. A spoken word um, show every month now. So I have to be there. I have to engage with the crowd. I have to make sure that the poets are um, introduced the correct way and, you know, just just making it fun and lively. So so now I have to stay the whole time. You the MC. Yeah. <laughs> the hostess with Absolutely. the most. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Last time. Lyric has left the building. <laughs> yes, for real. <laughs> I'm out. How'd you I'm decide out. upon that 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 name, the stage name of Lyric? Actually, uh, some of my cousins gave me that name. Uh, they had a social club that they wanted me to be a part of in the community services department, and um, they were like, "Well, uh, what you what do you want your name to be?" And I was like, uh, "Kedra." And they was like, no, you can't just go by your regular name. And I was still in the military and they knew that I um, liked to write. And this was probably before I was even really performing to crowds, but I would read to my family and stuff. So they gave me the name Lieutenant Lyric for the um, social club. So I just kind of kept Lyric when I started performing in front of crowds. For self, for self. Spoken word, poet, actor. You know what I'm saying? Not actor, actress. My bad. <laughs> you wrote. Uh, well, you pu- you got two books published now, right? Right, I do. Um, the first one is called "If You Only Knew My Story," and I actually produced that as a play first, and it did so well. And um, so many people were saying you should put this in a book. You should put this in a book. So I wrote the I wrote the play in the book. Um, so that was the first. And then my second book is called um, I Am Enough. The third one is with the editor now. And that one's called I Almost Forgot. So okay. where could one find those books if they wanted to make that purchase? You know what I'm saying? So um, I have my website is yes, I am enough dot com. Again, that's yes, I am enough. Dot com. You can purchase the books there. You could uh, book me there to host. Um, I write specific plays for weddings, funerals, graduations, births, everything. But yeah, pretty much anything you would need from me, you can find on my website. Hey, for sure. And you have a audio uh, or you have an ebook version of, of these books as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can those are available on Amazon, I believe. For sure, for sure, man. Make mm-hmm. sure y'all head over to yesiamenough.com. You know what I'm saying? Tap in, 
with the literature. Absolutely. For sure, for sure. You see it right here on the screen if you're watching. But if you're listening, just listen to the sound of my voice to hit the yesiamenough.com and tap in with all the great things that they have on here. Literature and all. You have services. I see you have services on Yeah, we have services. I have uh, mentoring. I do life coaching, one-on-one, or family mediation. Because, uh, you know, sometimes parents and kids aren't getting along. Husband and wife, boyfriend and girlfriend, girlfriend and girlfriend, boyfriend and boyfriend, whatever. Um, And they need somebody who's unbiased to come in and kind of mediate. So, um, yeah. I offer I offer several services. Uh, you just a all around hustler out here. Yeah, man, I'm trying to get us right. I want us to be happy and whole. Hustle Simmons, oh. <laughs> right? Yeah, Russell Simmons. Simmons. I'm trying to get it. <laughs> Hustle Simmons for real, but yeah. Uh, back to what you said earlier. People thinking you mean upon first. Seeing you, I, I had that same thought, but when I actually talked to you, I was like, she cool, she cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, we got cool, like, that one time in Wisconsin, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> got cool out there. That was a cool yeah. little two weeks. Right. <laughs> man, Wisconsin, wow. <laughs> oh, man. Back in the day. Right, yeah. man. I'm telling you, the military, I'd like... When kids ask me now about the military, because they asked me to come speak at the Veterans Days programs or whatever. So, of course, the recruiters, their job is to get you to join the military. So they're going to tell you about college and traveling and all of these other things. Right. But when our kids want to join the military, I, I have to get real with them and tell them about the discrimination. I tell the young girls about um, all of the sexual harassment and the se- the potential to be sexually assaulted. And I also tell them, like, you you know, I don't care what your job is. You're a soldier first. So there's always the possibility that you'll have to go to war. And I think now that's more evident with everything that's going on in the Ukraine. Um, because recruit- recruiters, they're not telling them that part of the story. So I always make sure that I tell them you're a soldier first or something happened. I don't care how well you type or, or how well you sing or preach or whatever your job is in the military, you are a soldier first and you're going to be out there with that gun. So, um, how well you type. Yeah. Cause you like my sister had a, a bomb job in the military. She works. She was, um, what did she, I don't remember what she did. She did something with the mail. So she was in Dubai for like eight months, working three days a week from like eight to 12 in Dubai for like eight months. Oh, so yes. the rest of the time, she just Yeah, man, to do whatever in Dubai. She had a ball. Mm. Yeah, so one, one of my own, somebody called me uh, like two days ago. I'm like, you getting deployed? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. And I and I feel like for for people now, especially black people now, the possibility of being deployed has to be so it has to be a difficult choice because you know, they're sending us to countries to fight for other people 
when we don't even they won't even fight for us here i mean even some of the soldiers that we fight beside in other countries when we get back here they'll those will be the same soldiers to be with the nazis in these parades and all of these protests and things like that so i really feel like i mean it has to wear on the conscience of of the black soldiers um if they have to go over or i don't well i hope it does i, I hope that matters Selfish. You, you speak in my like uh I guess like a little bit of my mind because everybody's like shocked saying like I'm getting out. It's like wow, it's like something just don't sit right in my spirit no more. Yes, yeah. So that's why I got out. Mm-hmm. And then you know, for us, I most of the people I know that joined the military joined that because it was a way out. It was a way out of the neighborhood, you know, it was a way to get away from their strict parents or, or whatever the case may be. But the military seemed like the best option. They weren't smart enough to get a, a scholarship. Parents couldn't afford college. So the only other option was the military. So they didn't go in it because they wanted to serve our country. They went in it because they had to as a means of survival. So I, I'm sure, especially those people, the thought of going to war mm-hmm. has to be difficult. Oh, I'm on mute, my father. Like you said so. I got booted again. Uh, what's going on? Yeah, every time I get booted, like the sound go out too, so I can't hear y'all. But yeah, we 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 good now. We good now. Mm-hmm. And I feel you on things you're saying some people use it as a stepping stone you know what i'm saying yeah. the people you need to be mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying you gotta utilize those resources to get where you need to be and then right you, then you Absolutely. Make, make shit happen on your own yeah i tell them do that first tour you do your first tour and and if it's not what you want to be not something you want to continue to take part of then leave you have everything you need once you do that first tour anyway you lo- as long as you get an honorable discharge Hey, you're you're good. And I also tell our kids, because you know, coming from these neighborhoods, these kids feel like they can go. I've seen it when I was in basic training, how the kids from certain neighborhoods would come in and they didn't want to listen because they never had to. So they would book and they kept them there the entire time we was in basic training just to give them a dishonorable discharge. And you know, that's just like having a felony. It's just like having a felony. So I always tell these little knuckleheads who, oh, yeah, I'm going to go in the Army. I'm like, okay, well, you know you're going to go to jail in the Army, too, because, you know, you they think they can go in the Army and they're just going to go shoot them up, kill them, and all of this other kind of stuff. They never think about the discipline, the discipline part. They don't even consider that part. That's not even a thought in their heads. You know, it's just, I'm going to get to travel and I'm going to get paid and I'm going to have a for sure place to stay in those barracks. That's uh, that's a lot to a kid who never had um, security when it comes to food, money, or shelter. That's enough. But they don't understand that, that discipline part. And I, I've seen some kids get messed up because they go in there with that mindset that, well, I don't have to listen to them because I didn't listen to the teachers in school or my parents or whatever, and they get messed up. 
I feel you. So I got a question. We asked this pretty much. We pretty much asked all our guests this. So my question for you is, what's the most difficult thing you had to overcome in life? Oh, Lord. Heartbreak. Heartbreak. <laughs> Heartbreak. Yes, man. That was the most difficult thing I have ever had to uh, overcome. I don't know if you want me to elaborate, but yeah, that, that answer came fast. You want to, if, you, if you don't want to. <laughs> so I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. As a single woman with um, a whole lot of kids, y'all ain't even going to lie, I have five kids, four baby daddies. I'm not ashamed to say it. I was going through my go-through, and I felt like this was the one every time. So anyway, um, after that, um, you know, as a single woman with four sons, a lot of people will say, you need a man for these kids. You need a man for these kids. And, um, I thought that I found the man for those kids at one point, you know, he was, had all of these businesses in the community and he seemed like an upstanding guy. And it just turned out to not be that. And I just felt like, you know, I, I sacrificed and I settled for a lot of things that I normally wouldn't have. And I was just like, this nigga ain't even my type. Like, he not even cute. He not my speed. And this the nigga that want to do this type of stuff? So it just kind of messed me up for a while. Actually, that's what that's what inspired me to write the book, I Am Enough, after that situation. Because in that situation, I didn't feel like I was enough. So um, coming out of that situation, I just realized I, I was enough the whole time, but I didn't know it. So I didn't require people to treat me like that. So I'm not even sure if it was the um, and it wasn't even a heartbreak. Of, I, I feel like I broke my own heart because I let people use me. So, um, yeah, that was that was the hardest heart. That was the hardest heartbreak because I broke my own heart and I had a hard time forgiving me. You had to love yourself. Yeah, yes. That's the model now. Is I, I always say, I always tell people to first love yourself. Like I say that a lot. First love yourself. But I also tell people that sometimes self-love doesn't come first. Ooh. So, I mean, if you have a kid that you love and, and you know you love that child, then emulate what you give to them to yourself. If you know you love your mama then emulate the love you give to her to yourself because some even though I tell people you know first love yourself it's a process it doesn't just happen and it doesn't always happen first yeah you making some points here for sure <laughs> you spitting that you spitting that you're spitting them lyrics <laughs> <laughs> hey, what can we expect from you in the near future though oh man so listen um again I was speaking to y'all offline about the um podcast that um i'm going to be doing pretty soon um just speaking about because you know black women will say and i don't say i don't like to say all black women or all black men i don't like to put everybody in the same thing but black women will say um we have it worse than black men and black men will say well we have it worse than black women and i say shit we all have it bad so, like, instead of me feeling like I got it worse than you or you have it worse than me, let's get together and figure out how to make this shit work for the both of us. So, um, essentially, that that is what the podcast will be about, getting 
a female's perspective and a male's perspective on um, issues that affect us as colored people. All right, I'm with it. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we here, you know what I'm saying? Any, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Don't talk offline. Awesome. We, we ain't did this in so long. Got about the. Yeah, it's, it's another one too we missing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's so listen, this is so funny, right? Because my soon-to-be husband, right? He runs a strip club. And um I I take the money at the door. And a lot of people always ask, Well, how do you promote like I am enough, I am enough, and you work at the strip club? And I'm like, Well, what makes you think you're better than the lady at the strip club? Because I meet I've met doctors. I met uh, women that are in school. I've met school teachers. I've met women who um, their sister lost lost custody of her kids and she needed to buy a house to have enough space to keep the kids with her. So she was dancing so that she could purchase a house. So I'm like, I'm there because I don't give a damn what their job is. That's a person. And so I have real life conversations with them. I encourage them. I don't care if they're standing in front of me with nothing on. I'm looking at your face and we're having a conversation because I see past all of that. And um, I think if we do that more, just stop judging people and feeling like I'm better than you because you work this job and I work this job or I live in this type of house and you live in this type of house that we can all just be better. I'm gonna say it like two chains. Say them essential workers. Essential <laughs> <laughs> workers. Essential workers. Hey man, that's art too. You know what I'm saying? Especially the ones that do the pole work. They uh. You know what? It it, it is. It is. First of all, it's hard work because I just started working out again, and I'm like, I don't understand how. You you have to be strong to do that stuff that, that they're doing and then to do it however many nights a week they do it. But it takes skill, you know? It, it that's a that's that is a skilled profession because you have to you have to stay strong, you have to stay away from drugs, you have to not be manipulated by men, you know, and they're still in a dream. They are selling the dream and they are making a lot of money selling the dream. Yeah, fantasy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. This was dope. This was dope for sure, for sure. What advice would you give to anybody that feels like they aren't enough? Man, I will tell them that just, just to keep breathing. I mean, don't worry about next year, next week, next month. Just get through the next breath. And just breathing is enough. Sometimes that's all That's all you need is to just get, keep breathing. That'll be the first step to being enough to still be here. You know what I'm saying? Um, find it, setting small goals and, and accomplishing those small goals. Because I think we make big goals. And then it takes us so long and it seems so far away that we get discouraged and then we begin to feel bad about ourselves again. So I would just say, just keep breathing. Just keep breathing and understand that um, life will give you smiles and life will give you frowns, but it's still worth living. 
Life will give you smiles or life will give you frowns, but it's still worth living. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. Hey, you got a question of the day, my boy? Yeah, man. I uh I saw something. I think somebody said uh they well they sent it to us in the group chat saying like uh it's supposed to be a cyber attack uh from Russia or whatever on the US. So my question of today is uh what is your survival tactics if it comes to that? Oh, so yeah, I feel like you gotta have cash on hand. Uh, I, so you have to have cash on hand. You should have food, and uh, I, and not like frozen foods always, because I mean it, the ice is gonna melt, and so if if the power goes out, that's gone. Or you just have some charcoals like we did during the storm and we just started grilling all the food. But, uh, but I think <laughs> the key thing is is to um to have cash on hand and to have weapons, of course, because you need to be able to protect yourself because people go crazy when it gets hot, when it gets hot. So if people can't access their money and different things, you that's going to open a whole different kind of crazy so, so please have something to protect yourself. Have some cash on hand. Have a plan if you're separated from your family, like where y'all gonna meet up at. Um, you know, military stuff. Make sure you you know how to get around in the woods. You know, have you some little safe spots to go to. But definitely have keep some cash on hand. And if you can store some fuel, if you have a gas tank or some drums or whatever. I would say definitely do that because the prices are going to get crazy. The lines are going to get crazy. And um, people, like, listen, people fight at the gas pumps on a regular day. So just imagine needing fuel and not not being able to get it. Man, she covered a good bit. I say, like, water, too, gallons of water. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely have some water. I know my mom has a well. so. I think that's cool for us because if, if the cities, if their water starts messing up, then we could just tap into our her well on, on the property. So definitely have you some water. Base, anything that you need to take care of your basic needs, batteries, you know, um, blankets in case it's cold, insect repellent, just just basic needs. Google it if you don't know what it, what your basic needs will be. In those type of situations, I'm sure there's a video on YouTube about it somewhere. Some extra or TikTok. Draws. <laughs> <laughs> some extra draws. <laughs> yeah. Get that bucket and that stick and get ready to hand wash them clothes. Absolutely. Okay. Tissue gonna be a, a very very yeah. now nah, you see how this is going crazy over the tissue when right. the reverse started. Uh, so. I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> Tissue. Yeah, good question. Hey, what, what's, what's your answers? I know you. That's that's. We can't really talk yeah. about that. We just add to it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, you know. Uh, you say weapons. Make sure you get like more ammo too, because uh, mm-hmm. that's the thing too. You, I mean, a lot of people don't think about. You know, they probably have like sixty rounds or something like that, or yeah. one box of rounds, and they think they that's good. You know, what I'm saying. I feel like, honestly, I feel like as people that bear arms and able to bear arms you should yeah just visit your local store that sell ammo and buy maybe a box or two a month whether you're shooting or not and just right george just so you can have extra ammunition 
That's what I'd add. But yeah, I pretty much covered everything. B facts. B facts. Everybody got question of the day out the way. Let's get into this or that. Poetry or acting? Poetry. Okay. Mm-hmm. Poetry or writing books? Um, poetry. Okay. Yeah, I can't answer that because I don't do need none of the above. <laughs> <laughs> so you question right there. Yeah. Feel free to t- time in, chime in too. We just do this off the head, like everything else we've done on here. It's just like <laughs> off the head. You mentioned charcoal earlier, so charcoal or propane? I was going to say propane. Charcoal. I like charcoal with some wood chips. Um, Sometimes with propane, it has a little taste to it, so I prefer charcoal. Oh, you mean that gas taste? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. They ain't doing it right. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. I and then I'm like, I don't want, I don't want them blowing up or catching on fire and all kind of stuff. So. I just prefer the charcoal. You get to talk and, and mingle with the people while the charcoal's hot and you're waiting on them to cool down just enough to put the meat up there and stuff. So, yeah, I think charcoal just for old time's sake. Charcoal. Yes. Sometimes the charcoal tastes like lighter fluid. If they, I mean, <laughs> right. they don't know what they do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get some good charcoal uh, that you don't need the lighter fluid. Yeah. Propane tanks got me hella fine. Ah man, what else we got? What else we got? What else we got? Mm. I like charcoal. I'll say charcoal too. Um, I, I got both, so I'm, I gotta say both. My bur- my grill take both. You know what I'm saying? Cool. But now, y'all, 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 sleeping on y'all sleeping on that propane, or uh, y'all y'all, yeah. y'all had a bad experience where it tastes like propane. They wouldn't do it. <laughs> I, I I ain't gonna say I wouldn't, you know, but you didn't have bad experience. You know how to use propane. I remember, but some people I hear they had bad experience with propane. <laughs> now my my diamonds were them a steak. I'm trying to think of some other ones. Huh? I was about to, oh, white wine or red wine? Actually, I don't really drink, so I don't know. Um, I'm telling you, the first time I had a drink um, was New Year's of 2021, and my he, uh, yeah, it was bad. And I just kept saying, people like to do this. They do this every weekend on purpose. Like you want to feel this, so I don't really know because I don't, I don't drink, so I don't know. I'm gonna go with the red though, for me. It's the red for me. Is it? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not the Zaffordale kind of guy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, uh, good, good little Merlot. Give me right. Okay. Yeah. That's what I got. You got any dissidents? Anything you can think of? I know you're quick on your feet. Oh yeah. Um. Let's see. Darker light meat. I like the white meat. Chicken. I like. I like. <laughs> I like uh-huh. We talking about chicken. 
I like that dog meat. <laughs> I don't want no leg quarters. I want. You don't want no thighs and legs. We talking about. Are you want to breast and wing? We talking about chicken then, yeah. Right. That's what I'm talking about, man. Are you want to breast and wing? Yeah, that's all, that's all I want, man. <laughs> you, want, you want no thigh? You want no short thigh? Nah. nah. No long thigh? <laughs> if it's in the air fryer, if it's air fried, I, I rock with it. But otherwise, yeah, the air fryer is cool. My wife cooked that thing in the air fryer. That thing be delicioso, man. <laughs> that's the only time I like dark meat chicken. It's when my wife cooking. Oh, you know what I got one? So listen, college or skill trade? I would say skill trade. Thanks. Even though I went to college, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And I kind of got a skill trade I'm working on too. So mm-hmm. I would say skill trade. That's less uh less expenses. Mm-hmm. And you get more. You you could potentially make more money from it. Right, right. I agree. Shit, barbers, barbers make good money. Right, truck drivers. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying you can do a lot with a CDL, different things. Yeah, I, I got my CDL, but I don't really drive. They want well. Actually, at first, when I got my CDL after I retired and I was applying for positions, they told me I didn't look like I would drive a truck, so they wouldn't hire me. And then the other companies wanted me to go over the road, but I had small kids, so I couldn't do that. But um, they are banking and my kids are older now. So yeah, that that's definitely something that I'm looking into doing soon. Oh uh, yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. Soon. Definitely though. I um although I attend college too, I just feel like um it ain't nothing like having that that trade, you know what I'm saying? Like Sometimes you can have a degree and still don't, you know, go in like at the entry level. And like how you were saying, like having a skill trade, you could basically be your own boss and make mm-hmm. more money. You know what I'm saying? And I'm right away you. you could do. So I, I have my master's degree, but even when I would apply for positions, they wanted to give me an entry level position. When I worked for DSS, everybody thought that was like such a glorified position to work with child protective services. Right. But when I did the math after taxes, uh, the insurance and retirement, I was breaking home about $750 a week after math. I was like, hell no. I'm, I'm like losing my mind. Like it's very stressful. Um, that is a very taxing job working in child protective services. And when I did the math, I was like, I just, I cannot do this. This makes no sense at all. Uh, they want you to do more than 40 hours worth of work in within 40 hours. And if you can't do it, they want you to do it on your own time. It, it sucks. I, did, I was like, no, nah, I'm okay. I'm just going to go back into retirement because this right here is not for me. That sounds like some modern days, like it is slavery type shit. <laughs> right. I worked, I even worked in the prison, um, Turbeville. I worked in Turbeville as a drug counselor too. Um, when I moved to Columbia, that's where I was working. And even that job, that job was less. I was making less at that job than I was. Um, I actually left that position and went to work for Child Protective Services because it actually paid up. The, the yearly salary was a little bit more. But, man, no. 
That's a little commute, Columbia to Turvyville. Yeah, man, it was. I didn't know because see, I I thought if I left Loris and moved to Columbia, I would be closer. But I actually, it only put me about maybe ten minutes as far as time from driving from Loris to Turvyville and from Columbia to Turvyville. It was only like a ten minute difference. Yeah, that's a journey for sure. You got to go all the way down I ninety five from Columbia. Yeah, three seventy eight. Yeah. yeah, I came down 378 because I lived off of uh, Gardner's Ferry Road in Columbia. So I just came straight down. Yeah, you just had to drive all the way to where I-95 at. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and come over. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, man. Yeah. See, we appreciate you coming through. We'd love to have you again. You know yeah, saying? thank y'all for the invite. Already. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you chose me. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you are anywhere in the world, but you know, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) So feel free to shout out anybody or plug in anything you have going on or that you'd like to plug in. Feel free. Oh, so listen, y'all check out yesiamenough.com. There are several services that uh, I offer there. And um, we will be adding soon some nutritional services because I'm back at that as well. Um, I want to shout out Dreamhouse Players in Myrtle Beach. Uh, it's Black-owned. It's uh, the Dreamhouse Theaters. That's where I host the um, spoken word at every month. That's where we do the stage plays as well. And it was created for us, by us. Um, check us out. Dreamhouse Players is the actual organization. They offer a lot of acting classes. They give you behind-the-scenes training on producing, on the lights on building stages and all kinds of different things. So check out Dreamhouse Players and check out the website, yesiamenough.com. Bravo, bravo, bravo. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, y'all know y'all can find us. You know what I'm saying? Always press record TV, Black American Market. Nobody grinds like us, network. Yeah, nobody grinds like us network. 1409podcast.com. The Gemini Media.com. Okay, Gemini. Oh, yeah, Gemini. I definitely am. Hey. Um, hey. What's your birthday? What's your birthday? June 13th. Oh, it's now. Okay. Okay. Yeah, June 2nd. May 30th. Okay. It's lit, right? That's lit. I thought I remember that, but yeah. Anywho, we uh, we also know Instagram 1409 podcast. Make sure y'all subscribe to the YouTube channel 1409 podcast. All of that. This video will be up there. It's already up there, and it's gonna remain up there. So make sure y'all tap in, watch it again and again. Instagram, follow me on Instagram 843 Ambassador. Make sure you follow my real estate page Turner dot the dot Realtor on Instagram. All of that. Show man, you know to follow me on Instagram at Guala Meets World. Make sure y'all get all the music on all the streaming platforms. Already, you know what I'm saying? It's the 1409 podcast, and we out. Awesome. Guala, you a genius.